Good morning and welcome to a another small worship service of a Tipper Night uh, episode 64. Hear God call you to worship through his word. O oh Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens. Out of the mouth of babies and infants, you have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. O oh Lord, we desire to adore your name which is excellent in all the earth and whose glory is above all the heavens. You are the maker and disposer of all things and for our sovereign pleasure. It is that they still exist and were at first created. Your hands have made and fashioned us and all that we enjoy comes from you as we the workmanship of your power. Who make us likewise your spiritual workmanship created anew in Christ Jesus unto holiness, the true righteousness. Give proof that you have formed us by yourself, for yourself, by causing us to show forth your praise and by making us to live to glory as we do every day live upon your bounty. Amen. Hear God's law and his will for your life. Hear, O Israel. The Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. And these words that I command you today shall be on your heart. You shall teach them diligently to your children and shall talk about of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the water and when you lie down and when you rise. You shall bind them as a sign of your, on your hand. They shall be on frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorpost of your house and on your gates. Confess your sins. Almighty and most merciful Father, you hate nothing that you have made, nor desire the death of a sinner. Look down with mercy upon me and grant that I may turn from my wickedness and live. Forgive the days and years which I have passed and followed idleness and sin. Fill me with such sorrow for the time misspent that I may amend my life according to your holy word. Strengthen me against habitual idleness and enable me to direct my thoughts to the performance of every duty, that while I live I may serve you in the state to which you call, you shall call me, and the last by a holy and happy death. Be delivered from the struggles and the sorrows of this life and obtain eternal happiness by your mercy for the sake of our of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen. Receive these words of comfort from God. My little children, I'm writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have to advocate the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteousness. He is the propitiation for our sins. He is the propitiation for our sins, and not for ours, but also for the sins of the whole world. Confess what you believe about the Christian faith. 
I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and of all things visible and invisible, and in one Lord Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, begotten of the Father before all worlds, God of God, light of light, very God of very God, begotten, not made, being of one substance with the Father, by whom all things were made, who for us men, and for our salvation, came down from heaven, and was incarnated by the Holy Spirit of the Virgin Mary, and was made man, and was crucified also for us under Pontius Pilate. He suffered and was buried. In the third day he rose again according to the scriptures, and ascended into heaven, and sits at the right hand of the Father, and he shall come again with the glory to judge the living and the dead, whose kingdom shall have no end. And I also believe in the Holy Spirit, the Lord, the giver of life, who proceeds from the Father and the Son, who with the Father and the Son together is worshipped and glorified, who spoke by the prophets. And I believe in one holy Catholic and apostolic church. I acknowledge one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look for the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. Glory be to the Father, glory be to the Son, glory be to the Spirit, every tree and evermore. As it was in the beginning, now and evermore shall be. It's frustrating, frustrating the grace of God, isn't it? Envy. Let's take a look at uh, what we understand or what is meant by the grace of God. Talk about Claire Barton. Um, she was a Red Cross worker in Cuba during the Spanish-American War. At that time, it was Colonel Theodore Roosevelt. Um, he came to her one day and wanted to buy certain supplies for his men. She absolutely refused to give him any of these things. And uh, although he knew she had them, he told her that they were needed and told her that uh, he was ready to pay for them. She said, you can't buy that. Yeah, you can't buy this. He asked, well, how can I get them then? Just ask for them, Colonel, she said. Just ask for them. He smiled and said, Then I do ask for them with all the earnest of my heart. And he got them. He received them. She gave them to him. Now that is grace. When you need something and can't buy it, what's given to you freely. Salvation is the grace of God. Something you need that cannot buy with all the money in the world but which is given to you freely, without money and without price. It is a gift of God through Jesus Christ our Lord. Period. That's it. It's all from granted. Now, if I work for a guy, uh, let's say, this got $1,000 per month, and at the end of that month he pays me $1,000, it is my just reward. I've earned it. But if he gives me $100 extra, at the end of the month, that is grace. I didn't earn it, did not deserve it. He gave it to me out of his heart of love. That is human grace. But uh, how much greater is God's grace, divine grace? You were a sinner. You spurned his love. You rejected his son. You trampled his invitations underfoot. Although you did not deserve it, 
and ought to be forever condemned. He saved you and will take you to heaven. That is God's divine grace, his amazing grace. Someone has said that grace is love out loving itself. It is God's plan to do great work of grace in our hearts to bring salvation to bless others, to make us better and finer citizens of the kingdom of heaven. And yeah, well, we often frustrate that grace. What do we mean by frustrating? And yeah, let me let me illustrate for a second. A father has great plans for his only son. He plans for him to finish high school and college and enter business with him. But the boy's lazy, he quits school, drifts from place to place, and winds up running an elevator or just plain loafing, flipping burgers at McDonald's, as we used to say. Um, he was frustrated the plans of his father, and it is a great disappointment. God has wonderful plans for every one of us, but because of our sin and selfishness and disobedience, we often frustrate his grace and disappoint him. God has wonderful plans for us, but they never work out. If every thought is a material and earthly things, years ago, years ago, this uh, France, this, years ago in France, a miser dug a cave in a cellar, and each day he would go there to count as well. But one day the wind blew his door closed, and the spring rock caught and imprisoned imprisoned in the cave. He perished there. Died. Since no one was nearby, no one could hear his screams for help. The house was later sold, and they found the skeleton on the ground and uh, underground, I should say, and with all his money surrounded. Many people today are being ruined by the love of money and pleasure in this world. They pile up millions and millions, but lose their souls. They spend their time in gaining and getting and seeking, but have no time to give to God, whose wishes will work out his purpose in their lives. So it's just, uh, Christian visited a worldly man one time. I keep on with my illustration. And the man showed his, uh, his mansion. When they came to the tower, the man pointed out to him the surrounding countryside. It's all mine, he said. The field is mine. The farms are mine. All you see is mine. Once I was a poor boy, but I worked and saved and invested, and now it's all mine. This is all on earth, said the other man. But what do you own up there? What do you own in heaven? Where? Where, he asked. What do you own up in heaven? asked his friend. I'm afraid not much. Then one day, said the other man, you will have to leave it all. You can't take anything with you. So you're nothing more than a beggar. The poor old man burst into tears with plenty on earth, but no hope for the future. He died within a month. Yeah, God has plans for us but he can't work them out if we give all of our time and thoughts in this world. God gave you your children. Do you remember when the wonderful baby was placed in your arms? How proud you were. How your heart swelled with joy. 
you were greatly moved and you said, God's giving me something good here. I'm going to be a better person. I'm going to live the right way and set the right example for you. But you haven't kept that promise. You neglected to train him right. You sent him to Sunday school by himself. You never took him to church. He never heard a prayer fall from your lips. He never saw you read the Bible. You never told him you wanted him to be saved. God had some plans for him and expected your cooperation, but you failed. You frustrated the grace of God. God had some plans for Moses' life, Pharaoh's daughter, although she was not Moses' real cooperated with those plans, trained Moses, and imparted wisdom to him, and Moses became ready to carry out God's plan for him. I've seen this scores of times. Children were born to parents who were too busy and too indifferent to pay attention to the spiritual welfare of those children. They grew up without any parental example or teaching. When the children grew older, their parents began to take interest in spiritual things, but their children were not interested. The parents tried to get them to go to church, but it was all in vain. They had begun to run with the wrong crowd and were living lies displeasing and hurtful to their parents. The parents came, weeping to the preacher and then pleading for help, but it was too late. You are free to leave God out of your life when the children are growing up. You can criticize the church and the preacher. You can leave the restraining influences of the church out of your family life. But one day your heart will be broken by your children's conduct and indifferences. It'll be nobody's fault but your own. A man went out into the field one hot day with his little girl. He began, he became sleepy and laid beneath the shade of the tree. The little girl found some flowers and tried out and looked at him. Look how pretty they are. But he'd, he'd already fallen asleep. Soon he awoke and the first thought was, Where, where's my child? He shouted her name, but there was no response. He ran to the edge of the cliff and down on the rocks and the briars. Below, he saw the mangled corners of a leather middle. He rushed to the spot, took her in his arms, and weakly accused himself of her death. But there's something worse. Mothers and fathers are going to sleep spiritually, and their children are drifting into sin. Mothers wet their pillows with the tears of the, and the hearts of the fathers are broken because of their children. Ten years earlier, they could have won those children to Christ and you know, have a better life, but they went to sleep frustrated, frustrated with the grace of God. You know, once you first joined the church, you were faithful and active and useful and therefore happy. But now you're a backslider. Backsliders frustrate the grace of God. You never go to church. You never read the Bible. You never pray. You don't do anything to the Lord. Now you've lost the joy that was once in your heart. And David was a great man of God. He could say, God, who could say, say it. The Lord is my shepherd, he could say. God is our refuge and strength. But this mighty man of God sinned grievously. When did he, when did he, when, when did he lost some? Not a soul. That was safe in God's keeping. But he lost joy, the joy of salvation, of his salvation. He was a backslider. 
and he never found that joy until he repented of his sins and came back to God. If sin will strip you up, you'll never find happiness and joy again until you come back to God, confessing that sin and repenting. A certain man came uh, to a revival meeting. He had once had been a faithful Christian and a church member, but now he'd been a backslider for years. He sobbed out his sin and confession to God and found peace. Next night he came back to and said to the preacher, I have had a wretched day. I have several children. They're all grown. And I want to see them today. And he told them. I went to see them today. And he told them what the Lord has done for me. I tried to warn them to Christ, but they only mocked me. This reminds us of a lot of story of, of Lot. Remember the story of Lot? He lived for a time for the world and not for God. When he finally left Sodom and all of its sins, he tried to persuade his grown-up children to go with him. Back to God in a righteous life and out of Sodom. But they only laughed at him. They just laughed. God wants you. He wants you. He wants to use you. He wants to, you to have a good influence for him. If you have backslidden, if you have drifted away from him, and the church, I plead to you to come back and cease protesting. We frustrate the grace of God when we hinder the work of His church. It's God's plan for His church to go forward. Every year, the church ought to reach more people and have more influence for Christ. Yet, in every church, there are those who hold the work back. They object to everything. They gripe about everything, and it seems to hurt them to see the church go forward. I don't understand such Christianity. If you've been saved by the grace of God, surely you ought to be happy to pull together with other members of the church and to help advance its cause. God help you not to frustrate the grace of God by doing anything or living in such a way as to hurt the church. Sinners frustrate the grace of God by putting off again the question of salvation. It is God's desire that you be saved. He tells you that. He has no pleasure in the death of the wicked. And that he is not willing that any should perish. He has given you the privilege of being brought up in a Christian home. He's given that to you. You have been to Sunday school and church many, many, many times now. Often you've heard the gospel and the way of eternal life. All of your life you've expected to be saved. You never planned to be a godless old man or woman. Yet you have let years go by. You have frustrated the grace of God and his plans. You are still lost. There is no hope for you in this world or the world to come. Now, Dr. Theodore Tyler was a pastor in New York. One cold winter evening, he have, was a guest in the home of a rich merchant who was not a Christian. As the wind blew around the door, the man said, it's an awful night for the poor. Then he went upstairs and came back with a roll of bills. In his hands. He gave the money to the preacher and said, please hand this out to the poorest people you know. Doctor. 
filers took the money and used it for the poor. The next day, the preacher wrote a letter to the merchant and thanked him for the gift. Then he wrote, How is it that a man who is so kind to his fellow creatures is so unkind to the Savior and to refuse him his heart? Well, that letter touched that man's heart. He realized what he had been doing. So he sent for the preacher and gave his heart to Christ. You may be kind, you may be honest, you may be good and generous, but you are lost if you have not opened up your heart to the Savior. He says, Behold, I stand at the door and knock. Why not let, me, why not let him in? He brings all the glories of heaven and earth with him. Don't make him stand outside the door. A young man was sinking into death in the hospital. He was, he was dying. He received a letter from his sister and a friend and read it to me. The last sentence read, Oh, my dear brother, when you get this letter, won't you accept it, Sister Sue? The man cried out, It's too late. It's too late. Friend, people, it's not too late for you. The Holy Spirit is calling. God wants to save you. Don't frustrate his plan by turning your back on him and putting him off again. A man dreamed that he stood in front of the gates of heaven and wondered if he'd be allowed to enter. He saw a great company, clothed in white and singing, coming, coming into the gates. Who are you? They, asked. they were asked. We are the godly fellowship of the prophets. Alas, said the man, I cannot enter with you. He watched as a group entered the gates and as the air swelled with the song of welcome, another company came forward and they said, we are the noble harmony of martyrs. Alas, said the man, I cannot enter with you. Another group came forward and said, we were the faithful gospel preachers. Alas, said the man, I was no preacher. These groups were admitted immediately. Another group came forward. Among this group were Saul of Taurus, Mary Magdalene, the thief who died on the cross and many others. They sang out. We were the company of lost sinners whom no man could number, of every tongue and the tribe under the sun. But we were saved by the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ our Savior. The man said in his dream, Thank God I can go with them. We too were sinners, but we trusted him who died on the cross of Calvary and we were saved. This group entered the gates, but they said, There will be no song for for we were great sinners, but to their great surprise, the shouts were louder, the songs were sweeter, and the welcome was far greater than that of the others. Oh, my brother and my sisters, will you not join that number? Bring all your sins, all your sorrows, all your burdens to Jesus. He alone can help you. He alone can save your soul. He alone can take you into I hope I gave you a lot to think about with that small sermon. Let's continue forward. <clears throat> As you listen to these words, let God enlighten your mind and your heart. Blessed Lord, you have caused all the holy scriptures to be written for us. Grant us that we may in such a way hear them, 
read, mark, learn, and inwardly digest it. That by patience and comfort of your holy word, we may embrace and ever hold fast the blessed hope of everlasting life, which you have given us in our Savior, Jesus Christ. Let's bow our heads in prayer. Write your blessed name, O Lord, upon my heart. There to remain so indelibly engraved that no prosperity, no adversity, so evermore move me from your love. Bring to me a strong tower of defense, a comforter in tribulation, a deliverer in distress, a very present help in trouble and guide to heaven through the many temptations and dangers of this life. Amen. In closing, let's pray the words that Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory, forevermore. Thank you for joining me here today. May God continue to bless you. And please, let God enjoy. Oh, by the way, sorry, I haven't quite signed off yet. Um, if you care to uh, learn a little bit more about Templar Knights or Templars in America, please go to our website at www.americanightstemplars.com. Again, that's www.americanightstemplars.com. Uh, if you have any prayer requests, you can go there and uh, get on our chat or email us at if you care to email me directly for any, with any questions, that's David R. 258 at Thank you very much. Have a good night.